right before I got up here, my wife said, have fun. <laughs> you ready to have some fun? Yeah. We are going to be in the book of Proverbs. We are continuing our, our series, looking at some subjects that are uh, very important in life, and we want to turn to God's book of basic wisdom and to glean from his wisdom on these issues. And So I invite you to open to Proverbs chapter 23, verse... Four, we'll, we'll begin there. It's on page 545 if you're using a Bible that we provide. And this morning we're going to consider God's wisdom for us regarding wealth, material wealth. And we, we've, we've touched on this subject uh, several times already in our, our series in Proverbs. We've seen the, the wisdom of obtaining wealth. Through hard, honest, and patient work. We've seen the wisdom of honoring the Lord with our wealth and from the top portions of our income. And we've seen the folly of seeking to take shortcuts and obtaining wealth through unjust means. We've seen the folly of making ourselves liable for someone else's debt. Don't co sign loans. We've seen the folly of being lazy and avoiding work altogether and looking for handouts. So the, the issue of wealth, we, we've addressed a number of times. We've seen that in chapters 1 through 9. And since all these principles address the matter of how we are to obtain wealth and how we are to use wealth, the wisdom we're going to consider this morning will focus on how we are to view wealth. So we narrowed it down to focus on this particular subject, how we are to view wealth according to God's wisdom. The title of this morning's sermon is Putting Wealth in Its Place, Putting Wealth in Its Proper Place. At the outset, we must uh, keep in mind that that material wealth in and of itself is not evil. It's actually a good thing. It is indeed beneficial. It's a blessing from God. Some people wrongly claim that the Bible teaches that money is the root of all evil. Something wrong with that. When in fact the Bible says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It's the love of money that is evil. A root of all kinds of evils. Wealth is something, if we're just going to have a right understanding of it, it's something that God supplies us with. He provides it in order that we might meet our material needs, like food, clothing, and shelter. God supplies it to meet our material needs. He also supplies us with wealth so that we may honor him, that we would receive what he has given us, that we may meet our material needs, and that we may also use it to honor him by providing for our family, by contributing to the gospel ministry of our local church. And by being generous towards those who are in need. So there's many purposes, many reasons why he gives us material wealth. And he intends us to use it in that way, to honor him. Material wealth is a blessing from God that we are to be grateful for. And to put to God-honoring use and to enjoy. Now let's consider God's wisdom on how we're to view it. In Proverbs 23, verse 4. Solomon writes this, Do not toil 
to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Now, the instruction here is not discouraging us from acquiring wealth. Elsewhere, it says in Proverbs, the hand of the diligent makes rich. Diligence is godly wisdom. It's a godly virtue. There's reward in that. And elsewhere in Proverbs, it says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers it little by little will increase it. So increasing wealth is not a bad thing. It's not discouraging us from doing that. According to God's wisdom, honest, diligent work does pay off. There's reward in that. However, the instruction here in 23.4 is that we should not toil to acquire wealth. Literally, to gain riches. In other words, we should not wear ourselves out and work to the point of exhaustion with the goal of becoming rich. Now, the book of Proverbs acknowledges some of the reasons why people ardently pursue wealth. The first one is this, and this is the big one. An abundance of wealth provides a general level of security in the face of life's dangers, evils, and uncertainty. Wouldn't you say that? It does provide some level, uh, a general level of security. Proverbs 10.15 says, a rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. And that's neither trying to put a value on either, it's just saying how it is. There's, there's some level of security and benefit to having material wealth. And so most people will pursue it, chase after it, because it gives them a sense of security in the face of the uncertainties of life. Another reason why people chase after wealth is this, an abundance of wealth, according to Proverbs, makes one popular. In Proverbs 14.20, it says, The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Popularity, prestige. And another reason, an abundance of wealth gives one power and influence. Proverbs 22.7, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. You're in a position of influence and power when you have a lot of material riches. Proverbs 19, 6 and 7. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. Now, he has the ability to. But all poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words, but does not have them. You see, if you have stuff, you have a lot of stuff, you'll, you'll be popular. People will want to seek your favor because you have something to offer them. So these are the reasons why people would want to toil to acquire wealth to become rich. And notice when you read Proverbs like that, it is, it is not approving that a poor man's brothers hate him and he's abandoned by his friends. It's just saying we live in a fallen world. That's how people are. So from an earthly perspective, this is just reality. There are a lot of benefits to being wealthy and being poor is certainly not desirable for anyone. Do any of you desire to be poor? Would you, in your right mind, say, I actually want to be poor, Thomas, thank you. No, we wouldn't. There's nothing desirable about poverty. So people are motivated to accumulate wealth. However, Solomon issues for us here in 23.4 a word of caution. And he's saying if you're caught up in the rat race, 
and always obsessing over moving up the economic ladder. Solomon says, cut it out. Don't wear yourself out pursuing wealth. Don't exhaust yourself. Be discerning enough to desist. The Hebrew text literally says, cease from your understanding. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Cease from your understanding. In other words, do not be deceived into thinking that being wealthy is the best thing in life and that you should expend all your time and energy and effort to that end, as if that is the greatest goal or greatest achievement in life. Remember the rich fool that Jesus spoke of? Blessed with plenty, a fruitful harvest, filling his barns with more and more, and I'm running out of space, I'll just build bigger barns. Self, you've done well for yourself. But that's not the end goal of life. It's not the most important thing in life. Solomon says you need to change your perspective. Your understanding regarding wealth needs to be corrected. And in the next verse, he explains why in verse 5. Here's the reason. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. In other words, as easily as your eyes can fly to money. Not as easily as you can. It takes, a lot of times it's hard work to amass wealth for yourself. But as easily as your eyes can fly to it. Money and possessions, they can fly away and be gone. Just like that. The main point here is that wealth is fleeting. It's fleeting. Money and possessions are not permanent. They don't last. They can be lost they can be taken away in a moment. And even if they remain in your possession, their value can diminish overnight, can they not? You can cling to them for dear life. They say, what's the value of silver? It dropped? Value can diminish overnight, even while you're holding on to it. Because wealth is fleeting, the security that it offers, along with all of its other benefits, is only potential at best. It's only potential. Wealth is not a firm foundation upon which you can fix your hope and build your life. Because wealth is fleeting, it would be foolish to put your trust in it and to make it, accumulating it, your top priority in life. Solomon's saying it's fleeting. It's uncertain. It won't last. Why would you work your point or your life to a point of exhaustion trying to acquire and amass it for yourself when it could be gone in a moment? Proverbs 11.28, you can turn there. Which says this, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Notice that this proverb implies that those who trust in their wealth are not righteous. You see that? Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's either or. So the one who trusts in his wealth is not righteous. The righteous person is someone who is righteous through faith, trust in the Lord. He fears God and trusts in him. 
And as a result, he flourishes like a leaf that's connected to a strong, healthy, well-watered tree. For those who are trusting in money and possessions for life, happiness, and security, no matter how rich they are and how well-off they may seem to be, it's only a matter of time before they fall. And that day will come unexpectedly. Proverbs 11.4 says this, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. You see, righteousness will benefit you far more than riches. That's the wisdom here. And one of the appeals of material wealth is that it seems to provide a level of earthly security to weather various storms in this life, in this fallen world. However, it will provide no security against the greatest storm that visits all men, and that is death and the judgment of God. That is the guaranteed storm that's coming upon everyone. All men are natural-born sinners, all have sinned and are guilty before God and are justly condemned by Him. And on the day of judgment, they will receive that condemnation, be sentenced to eternal death in hell. Unless they possess the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Riches will not profit in that day, but the righteousness that is not your own, but is that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God that is credited to you as a result of you trusting in him, that will deliver you. This righteousness that comes from God as a gift and, depends on, and that depends on faith is the greatest possession a man can have. Do you possess it? It's the greatest possession we can have. We would be wise to remember the words of our Lord Jesus. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? So this is your wisest investment strategy. Say what you want about wealth. But the one thing you absolutely need is righteousness. And if we read through Romans, as you see, you ain't got it. You need it. How do you get it? It comes through faith in Christ. And it is a gift from God that depends on faith. You'll be set for life in all eternity. Proverbs 18, 10 and 11. We turn over there and we see it reads this. In verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his imagination. That's important, right? Because again, we looked at a proverb already that said the rich man's wealth is his strong city, and then the poverty of the poor is their ruin. And that's just kind of generally speaking, yes, there, there are some benefits and earthly security. Sure, money can work for you. You can use it. But if it doesn't last, if it's uncertain, if you've gone in a moment, what real security is that in this present life? And we read the Proverbs that point us to the fact that in the end, the certain storm that is coming, which is death and the judgment of God, it prepares you. It doesn't prepare you at all for that. So then we look at this proverb and it balances that out. 
The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. And a rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. And that's where it ends. Nothing can shield someone from the wrath of God except God himself. You can imagine that, that, that someone's money and possessions, they build it like a, a, a strong city wall around them. And you think, this will shield me from anything that can possibly hit. It will give me security. But it gives you no security when what's coming upon you is the wrath of God. The only safe place is in God himself. Therefore, we ought to be seeking refuge in him. And those who trust in their riches for lasting protection are deceived. It's really an illusion. So in the Proverbs we considered so far, it's clear that Solomon wants us to understand the limitations of wealth so that it doesn't become an idol for us. So the first lesson we must learn is wealth is limited in what it can do. If we understand that it is fleeting and uncertain and that it does not affect our standing before God, then we will not put our trust in it and make it our primary pursuit in life. We will not be wearing ourselves out to the point of exhaustion, trying to amass it for ourselves and cling on to it for dear life. Now we're going to consider some things that Solomon says are more valuable and more important than wealth itself. And this is not all of them, but we'll look at some. The following Proverbs speak of precious possessions that will enrich our lives more than riches. The first one is wisdom, godly wisdom. You want something that will enrich your life more than riches? Get some godly wisdom. Amass that for yourself. And we've obviously covered this topic before. It's emphasized right up front in the book of Proverbs. In chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding, for the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. In Proverbs 8, 10 and 11, Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. And in Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold? You seen the, the, the price for gold in the market these days? What is it, like over $1,200 for an ounce? How much better to get wisdom than that stuff? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. God's wisdom will benefit your life much more than material wealth ever could. Wealth can be used to acquire a lot of stuff. You'll get a lot of stuff. A lot of expensive stuff. But Solomon says that wisdom is far greater in value. He says in in chapter 8, All that you may desire, literally, all desirable things cannot compare with her. So even if you combine all the delightful, precious desirable, material things that can be found in the world together that cannot pair with God's wisdom. And here's why. Wealth will not guide you in the truth and lead you in the way of righteousness. It will not give you moral guidance. It will not help you live a life that honors the Lord. But wisdom will do all of this. And let's not forget that applying God's wisdom to your life, as in to your work ethic, your business practices, 
your view and handling of money and your goals and decisions certainly has material benefits as well. But there's so much more. It is far greater than wealth. Another precious possession that's better than wealth is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. The fear of the Lord is the essential attitude behind saving faith. We've talked about this a number of times. It is a right acknowledgement of God's greatness and power and excellence and holiness and authority that fuels obedience, submission. Solomon says elsewhere in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil and from the snares of death. So if a person does not have the fear of the Lord, then that person has trouble. An ultimate trouble is that the wrath of God remains on him. So we've seen that wisdom is better. The fear of the Lord is better. Another precious possession that will enrich your life more than riches is a loving home. It's love. Proverbs 15, 17. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. A loving home is far greater of a blessing than luxury meals. One commentator says, hatred undoes all the enjoyments that good food might otherwise bring. I mean, I like me some steak dinner. But you throw that aside of hatred, garnish with some hatred and animosity. It's not as enjoyable. The Lord's primary command for us is that we do what? We love one another. As he has loved us and our obedience to this command must start in the home. And our concern should be more for fulfilling this command than for affording to put fancy food on the table. It's a nice thing, but what's far greater, of far greater importance is that I have a loving home. Are you working to that and are you pursuing that? Are you walking in obedience to what God's called you to do so that you can achieve that? How much greater of achievement in life if someone visits your home and says, I mean, it just exudes love. This is a loving home. What a peaceful, restful environment that is. That doesn't come out of nowhere. That takes hard work. Takes a lot of work and effort. Wouldn't you rather have that than more money in your bank account, more trinkets, more gadgets and possessions, things that are sure fun, nice, but not necessary? And another possession that is better than wealth is integrity. Proverbs twenty eight six. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity, than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. In this life, there will always be temptations to cheat and steal and lie and violate what is right for financial gain. There's always that temptation. Whether it's to make a profit, to get a promotion, to pay less taxes, and so on. There's always that temptation. 
We know plenty of examples of people who have enriched themselves in this way, and, and there are even more people doing this than we realize. However, we must remember that God sets such people in slippery places, according to Psalm 73. He sets them in slippery places and makes them fall to ruin. It's better to be faithful to God and to maintain a clear conscience even if that means that we will have less or even lose some of what we have in the short run. There's a quote from an author in in, uh, the book Disciplines of a Godly Man, and we had studied the subject of, read about the subject of integrity, the importance of it. There's one thing he had written in this book. He says, a man of integrity is a man of principle. We must understand that being a man of principle means more than having principles. It means having the courage to stand up for your convictions when it costs you. And again, I emphasize that it is in the short run. Keep that in mind. Because ultimately, your reward is eternal. God will not forsake you. You honor him, even if it withholds you from you know, gaining more or if it causes you to lose some of what you have. That's only in the short run. It's far more important to even be to the point of poverty to maintain your integrity. Another precious possession is, that is better than wealth is a good name. A good name referring to an honorable reputation because of good character. When we say a good name, that's what we're referring to. An honorable reputation because of good character. Proverbs 22 verse 1 A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. You know, one of the benefits of a good reputation is that people are more inclined to show you favor, to show you kindness or preference. But if you have a bad name, it's more likely that people will oppose you than show you favor even if you are rich and have money to offer. You got a bad name, your reputation procedures like, we don't want you in these parts. We don't want your money. Go on, get. Bad name, man. Bad news. But a good name. People might seek you out to show you favor. If you're wondering what constitutes a good name, I would say the Proverbs that we have just considered give us a good framework. You will have a good name if you are wise. God-fearing, loving person of integrity. If you're a wise, God-fearing, loving person of integrity, you will have a good name. All of these qualities are more valuable and more important than wealth. Therefore, we should be more concerned with excelling in these things, in these qualities, than with increasing our money and possessions. This really is a priority list. Get your priorities in order. Your godly priorities. The accumulation of wealth should be much lower on that list of priorities. Solomon included the wise sayings of a man named Agur towards the end of the book of Proverbs in chapter 30. And these wise sayings include an insightful prayer that's very informative for us. Now, if you look at Proverbs 30, verses 7 through 9, this prayer, which is this. 
two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So his first request is that God would keep him an honest man. He desires to walk with integrity before God. And he asks for God's help. And then he makes this general request regarding wealth. Likely because the matter of wealth presents the greatest temptation for him to compromise his honesty and integrity. The area of wealth. He asks that that God would not allow him to become poor. Seems kind of obvious, right? I mean, we said that poverty is not a desirable thing. I don't know if you actually have prayed to God and said, God, please don't give me poverty. But his, his reasoning in verse 9 shows that this is not some shallow, earthly-minded request. He's not requesting to not be poor because he thinks that having riches is the greatest security in life. The reason he gives is his concern that he would succumb to the temptation to steal. And then he also asks that God would not allow him to become rich. Have you ever prayed that? I mean, you know, God, we, we, you know, we're, we're in kind of a slump. We do pray that you provide. We're trusting in you. Do you ever cap him at that? But, but not too much, Lord. <laughs> don't help. Don't, don't allow us to be too successful. Don't allow us to turn too much of a profit. And I think we need this. I mean, that's the more shocking request in our minds. So he, he asked that God would not allow him to become rich. And again, he, he points to his concern that he would succumb to temptation. Except here it would be the temptation to be proud and to have a sense of self-sufficiency. And the result of that would be a callousness towards God. It's dangerous. And an example of this, we, we see this with God's dealings with the people of Israel. And when, Moses, when God speaks through Moses and he's talking to the second generation that have come out of Egypt, they're going to go in the promised land. God has made them his people. He's given them his law. He says, you obey. I will bless you abundantly in this land. I'm giving you wonderful things. Be faithful to me. But there's a warning in Deuteronomy 8. Verse 11, take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. A little later, he says, beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. So poverty can make you desperate. Prosperity can make you arrogant. And therefore, it's wise for us to really desire neither. Both extremes present strong temptations to sin. And we ought to, like Agur, humbly recognize 
the susceptibility of our own sinful hearts to the temptations we would face in those circumstances. And it's humility. It's having a right view on the, the reality of your sin and temptation. And if we look to the model prayer that the Lord Jesus left for his disciples, we see a similar perspective. And part of the request in that prayer is give us this day lots of gold, lots of stuff, Lord, more, 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 more. Our daily bread, our daily bread, the sustenance we need. And he says, lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We don't want to be in circumstances where we will be weighed down with temptation. And we know that God is faithfully not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear or provide a way out that we might endure it. But we certainly would want to avoid circumstances that would be tempting for us altogether. And that would, that's a wise request of God. We must not forget the wisdom of asking God for just enough. We should recognize that, that wealth, whether we have a little or a lot of it, it can be a tremendous distraction from our devotion to Jesus Christ if we allow it to be. Again, having wealth and actually even being rich is not evil and it's not wrong. Reality really, or the question really is, where's your heart? Are you trusting in that? Is that your joy and your hope and where you put your faith? So, we would be distracted from our devotion to Christ if we allow wealth to become a distraction. If we forget what we have learned this morning in Proverbs, that wealth is uncertain, it's fleeting, it is incapable of improving your standing with God. And that godliness, what we've learned is that godliness will enrich your life far more than wealth will. More money will not make you a better spouse. More money will not make you a better parent, friend, neighbor, or Christian. More money will not make you love God more. More money will not make you love others more. More money will not bring you true and lasting peace, joy, and security. The solution to whatever problems you may have in life is not more wealth. It is genuine faith, repentance, obedience, wisdom, and prayer. There's your solution, whatever problems you might be facing. So the wisdom from Proverbs on wealth, what we also see is that it's not just found in Proverbs, that everything we're reading here is echoed throughout Scripture and throughout the New Testament. And here are a few examples to close our time. Paul writes this in 1 Timothy 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. The priority is godliness. And the attitude that is essential to maintain is contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Food and clothing. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And later he says, as for the rich, you might wonder. I mean, if you do have a, an abundance of wealth, again, there's, there's nothing wrong in that as long as your priorities are right. You fear the Lord. Your trust isn't in the stuff you have. You know it could be gone tomorrow. So here's the advice for those who have much. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty 
nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Don't worship the gift, worship the giver. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. That sounds familiar. That sounds exactly what Jesus said about our priorities. What, we, what should we pursue? He said in Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. It can be gone. It can deteriorate. It can be stolen. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Investment strategy. And finally, Jesus said this, take care, in Luke 12, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. And that is a, that is a danger, not just for the wealthy and the rich, but for those who are poor. It might be even more of a temptation for those who have less. The godly instruction is be content. Even if you are poor, your confidence isn't in wealth. Your trust in the Lord. It's better that you are poor and fear the Lord. Be content. Guard yourself against all covetousness. And he says this, For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. What you have in your bank accounts or your property, that doesn't... That is not you. That is not uh, uh, an assessment of your worth. You are made in the image of God. And if you are in Christ, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God and you are an adopted son or daughter of God. Your worth is actually seen in the cross, the price that Christ paid to purchase your salvation, to rescue you from sin. It's by the blood of Jesus that you have been purchased. That's your worth. So do not become fixated on material wealth. Don't, don't wear yourself out acquiring it. Let your toil be towards honoring the Lord rather than accumulating possessions. Put all your effort and energy into honoring the Lord. Embrace his wisdom and put wealth in its proper place. Let's pray. Father, our simple prayer this morning is that you would help us to keep in mind your wisdom and to view wealth in the way you would, you've told us to, Lord. That it is fleeting. It's not anything that we should put our hope and confidence and trust in. You are. You are the one that we should be trusting in. You are a sure foundation. We pray that you would keep us from the temptation to fix our eyes on wealth and to make it an idol, Lord, we, we pray that you would help us be content with what we have. And Lord, we do pray that you would keep us from the temptation to have too much and to become proud and also have so little that we might be tempted to dishonor you and to steal. We pray that you would give us the sustenance we need. May we toil, may we labor for your glory, for your coming kingdom in the work of the mission of the church we have given us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything Christ Jesus has commanded us. We ask these things in his name. Amen.